Our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning at verse 35, and can be found on page 1014 in the Church Bibles. Mark 10, verse 35. The request of James and John. Then James and John the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, My name is David Pearson and I've been uh, privileged to be a member of this church for a number of years. Um, and uh, I'm going to share some thoughts on the passage that we've just read, so you might like to keep it open. Uh, Before I begin, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us, and we thank you too, Lord, that you speak to us through your word. We pray that during this time, your Holy Spirit will make your word real to us, that we might have ears to hear and hearts to respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've already gathered, today's um, Mothering Sunday, um, and we're going to be looking at the topic of uh, service as part of our Christian discipleship. Uh, Now, Mothering Sunday has lost much of its original meaning, um, and today it's more a celebration of our mothers and motherhood. 
Um, but there are some connections with um, our theme for this morning. Now, I have to make a confession here that Rowena and I do quite like watching Call the Midwife. Now, I know I won't ask for a show of hands, but um, we quite enjoy the, the sort of reminiscence and also the medical challenges of the time. But I think also it's kind of a celebration of the pain and the sacrifice of childbirth and motherhood, the commitment of parenthood. But it also says something about the compassion and dedication of the nuns and the midwives who look after those in their care. As I look around me this morning, you know, I just think, well, um, I'm talking about service, but I see so many people who serve in so many amazing ways in the church and outside the church um, as parents, as grandparents, in so many ways. And, and also in those little things that we do for one another that show our love and care. So I want to focus this morning um, on the passage that we just read and what it speaks to us about our motivation and our context for servanthood. So if we look again at that, that passage in Mark 10, and just to give the context, uh, Jesus has just been talking again about that prediction of his death and resurrection. Um, and he's also been speaking to his disciples again because they've been bothered about this business of who's greatest among them. And he's saying, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and the servant of all. And now we get this bizarre request from James and John, which Jesus deals with so graciously, uh, doesn't he? Um, and he repeats the fact that, um, you know, that's not the way it's meant to be with his church, with his disciples. But he also says that following him and seeking reward is going to be costly and it can cost them their lives. And we know that for James, that was very real. He was executed by Herod in the very early days of the Christian church. Whereas John went on to live a long life, although partly in exile in Patmos, where he wrote Revelation. Uh, but to understand fully, I think, the meaning of the passage, we have to go to the last verse. And I wonder if we could just pop that up on the, the PowerPoint when we get it. <clears throat> Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And maybe if you don't remember anything else from this morning, maybe you'll just remember that verse because there's so much in it. And have you noticed how so often when we read things in the Bible, it's those little words, those connecting words that carry a great meaning? And also, that very often when we come to a bit of Jesus' teaching, um, it's often the last sentence, it's the last thing that he wants to leave with us as the most important thing. And so here, and here it is, Jesus is saying, listen, this is what I really want you to remember. This is the reason why you should be servant-hearted. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we are called to be servant-hearted people because 
we have a servant-hearted saviour. And let's just look at that a little bit more. Firstly, Jesus says, even, even the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is a title that Jesus took for himself, comes from the book of Daniel, and it gives his identity as Messiah and the Son of God. So even he, who is worthy, as we have just sung, he is worthy of every honor and privilege that this world or heaven offers, even he humbled himself to be a servant to humanity in the way that he lived his life and the way he gives his life for us. So, secondly, Jesus says that he's come to serve. So we can think about two ways in which Jesus serves. And the firstly is that he demonstrates his love and his compassion, his healings, his deliverance, um, the works that he does demonstrate God's value, God's nature, his love for us. But secondly, Jesus says that he gives his life. Now, sometimes people will say to me that they believe that Jesus was a good man, a great moral teacher, and they love to follow his teachings. But to stop at that kind of misses the whole point, doesn't it? Because the whole purpose of Jesus' life is to give his life as a ransom for us, to give his life on the cross for us. And that little word, ransom, is so important, isn't it? Um, We can think of many places in the world where, unfortunately, it's still common to be taken hostage um, and to be held until people pay a sum of money. And we've just seen... Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe, who spent so many years in Iran um, until something was done for her release. And that's the picture here, that we are held, in a sense, under bondage. Under bondage because of our sin and because of the way that we constantly want to go our own way rather than God's ways. Um, And because of that sinfulness, we are like, in a sense, prisoners under condemnation. But Jesus pays the price for our ransom. So we are no longer prisoners bound in bondage to sin. Now, it's good to keep a short account with God to bring our confession to him for our sins and the way we fail him day by day, week by week, and especially when we come together. But actually, it's important to grasp this, that as Christians, God promises that everyone who repents and puts his trust in Jesus has been released from bondage. We are no longer prisoners. We are released to be God's people and to fulfill his purposes for us. So I wonder if we just need to catch afresh that significance of what Jesus has done for us. And maybe to realize, maybe for the first time, that actually giving our lives to the Lord sets us free to serve him. And that really is the underlying truth in this passage, isn't it? It's what Jesus is leading to. He's saying that to follow him 
is to go down the same path, not just in terms of the way that we serve others, but in terms of the way that we commit our lives to him and to go down that same path of self-sacrifice. So if we can have the next slide. Um, we're servant-hearted people. We're purchased for a purpose, and God calls us to be on a mission. So Jesus says that we're to imitate him in two ways. <clears throat> we're to do the things that Jesus did. We're to show the same compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience that Jesus demonstrates. But also that we're called to be on a mission. That we're called to be on the same mission that Jesus had to build his kingdom. To invite others to be partakers of that new freedom that we have as God's people. Um, and in John 20, Jesus says this, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We carry on the same mission that Jesus started in the world. Uh, but Jesus also says then, receive the Holy Spirit. So I just want to make a few brief points um, on that. Um, firstly, just that reminder that we're called to be on a mission. And it's, it's like Mission Impossible, isn't it? You know, um, God says to us, you know, this is your mission should you choose to accept it. I wonder how many times that we have failed to grasp that sense of being on God's mission, mission impossible. And the second point is that, of course, it is impossible. We do not have it within us, the ability to grow the kingdom of heaven. It requires the help of the Holy Spirit. It requires the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to our hearts. It requires the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives, to show a bit more of what Jesus is like, but also to empower us to do those works that Jesus did. Those healings, those miracles, those um, words of command that Jesus has. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that too. Um, and so thirdly, um, Jesus expects his followers and his church to be fundamentally different from the way the world works. And we saw that in this passage. And we saw that in that lovely song, Topsy Turvy. It's upside down, isn't it? Jesus wants his, work, his church to operate totally differently from the world around us in how we view status, in how we view importance, in how we view service and the value of our lives. Um, and so... Um, it's about whole-of-life service, isn't it? You know, we do tend to compartmentalize, don't we? Uh, we tend to think of these things that I do are things that I do for church. These are, the, these are the God things that I do. These are things that I do for Jesus. But actually, you know, there's other stuff that I do. There's more kind of secular stuff that I do. Um, or, you know, there's me time. Actually... It's all one, isn't it? The other thing we do is we tend to kind of elevate, um, you know, bits of service as being more important or more highly valued than others. And really, we need to appreciate all that we do in church, whatever position we might be, whatever leadership position we might be, or whether, whether we're just simply serving in practical ways. And we just appreciated so much all that Jilly did behind the scenes 
quietly getting on with all the stuff that, you know, she was so ready and willing and able to do. So highly valued in the kingdom, I would suggest. So that's, so part of our compartmentalizing is also that we tend to look upon secular work and secular jobs as being less important than stuff that we might do in church. And that's completely wrong because our secular work, so-called, actually it's all God's service, isn't it? Our jobs, the things we do outside church, the things we do nine to five during the week are really important places of service for us in whatever God has called us to be. And there may be seasons in our life when actually we can't do much more else than be parents or looking after grandchildren or full-time carers or just simply because age and disability impairs us simply to be intercessors and praying for others, which is really such an important part of our service. Okay, and so lastly, um, as I finish, as I've been speaking this morning, there may be new things that God is putting on our heart. Bring to our memory maybe things that God has been jogging our mind, putting on our mind to think about new things, new areas of service that he wants us to be involved with. Or it may also be that there's stuff that God suggests that we're doing too much. Actually, there are one or two things that we need to let go of in order to focus more on what God is calling us to give our priority to. So I'm just going to leave us um, with some questions, and then I'm going to invite you to say a prayer with me. Um, And this prayer is really a prayer of commitment and dedication, and it comes from the uh, Felder Brennan uh, Rhythm of Daily Prayer. Now, Felder Brennan is a little retreat place in Wales, um, and uh, this seemed particularly appropriate for this morning. So the first question I want to ask is, have you seen something new or different about what it means to follow Jesus, about what it means to have your life ransomed by Jesus' death for us? And do you feel that need to kind of recommit your life to the Lord or do that for the first time? You may want to pray with somebody. You may want to speak to somebody. You may want to sign up for our next Alpha course. Secondly, is there a new thing that you feel God might be calling you to do? Um, We've thought a little bit, haven't we, about Ukraine and the amazing commitment that people have shown. Um, And we can think of other things in our community that maybe we're seeing, maybe we're in a position to do something that others might not have seen or that God is particularly putting on our heart. Uh, Do you know, I was blown over recently by that deputy head in Leeds who saw the need for the children in her class just to have beds to sleep in, beds and bedding, because they were falling asleep. You know, I just wonder whether there are things like that that God is putting on our heart um, that we need to um, start something new. And thirdly, you know, have we sensed a need 
for the help of the Holy Spirit in what we're doing, for a fresh infilling and invigorating by the Spirit. Or maybe you're just feeling totally overwhelmed and you can't cope with the idea of doing anything new or serving God in different ways. So I would invite you um, to come and get some prayer. There'll be prayer team um, or speak with somebody or maybe chat with a friend next to you just to, to pray about it. You know, sometimes there is a little bit of a now moment, isn't there? You know, sometimes things drift on, but God says, actually, sometimes there's a moment to respond. And I believe that that may be this morning. So, should we put the, the prayer up on the screen if we can do that? I hope you can read that. Let's take a moment just to look at it. It's a prayer that's in the Felderbrand daily prayer for every day. And I would invite you make, be, to make that your own. Let's pray. Almighty God, in view of your great mercy... We lay our lives down as a morning sacrifice for you, choosing to die to self. We ask you to pour your mighty resurrection power through us, that Jesus may be revealed and your kingdom come in power, changing us and redeeming the world. Amen. So as we sing the next song, um, let's just think about ways in which we're going to respond uh, to some of those things that maybe I've been saying, and the prayer team will be available in the chancel for you.